There is no doubt that many of those who have been introduced to this work have only or primarily experienced it on the mental level. Much of the initial stages of the work deals with absorbing the information, shifting perspectives, and trying to find the logical reasons why this is going to assist you on your intentional journey towards growth. Many of those tools and techniques are also mentally heavy, and some struggle in the full-spectrum integration of this work on all five levels. But perhaps it is because stillness has yet to be integrated as a part of their or your practice. So if you are struggling to find where stillness fits into all this, or even what it would be specifically defined as, keep on listening. If this episode or podcast impacted your life in the positive, please take a moment to share it wherever or however you express the majority of your social interactions. So it's now time to get still so you can get your fill of wisdom on this episode 111 of the Wise Wise Podcast. And now... Let's journey. With Aaron and Alexander. Uncovering our authentic self through self awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us here on episode 111 of the Wise Wise podcast. Alexander, it's a great milestone. Uh, yeah, what a journey it's been. We have. A lot shared, and we've received a lot, learned a lot, and hopefully um, everybody's vibing with what we're putting down. Yeah, it seems a little surreal. I don't think I could really quite think about 111 episodes. Yeah, we never had an intention necessarily set for how many episodes we were going to do, and now we got a big change coming up in our format that we've been uh, hinting at over the last few episodes. So looking very forward to that, going to bring in a whole other level of creative element and shift up our discussion a little bit as well. So stay tuned. This episode is a perfect transition into that because we're going from a very heavily mental level way of looking at the work and we're transitioning to something a little more creative. But this episode is also about how to take the mental that we're talking about, all these concept and perspective shifts and how do we take that and really integrate it into our being? What are we missing here? Yeah, and it's the stillness. And we've talked about stillness possibly in most episodes, but we've never really highlighted how important stillness is to this whole philosophy. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into what stillness can mean, how to practice stillness in different ways, and make sure that you're getting the most out of this philosophy and the step-by-step things that we are offering. Uh, one of the key components is being able to enter into that stillness. And I've discussed it in the past as well as learning to live in non-preference. And that doesn't mean that you don't ever have a preference. It means that you can get still enough to recognize that you have a preference and then you can actually shift that to non-preference to be able to see something more clearly. And so the stillness is such an important part and we're going to bring in a little bit of structure and discipline and hopefully help people to find that sweet spot and just how special stillness can be. It's not that we haven't talked about it. It's just that it may have gotten lost in the denseness of all this information that we're bringing in. Each episode is focus on its own topic that I think often the structure of doing the work kind of gets lost. It's kind of like the fundamentals. In most sports, there are just certain fundamentals that normally the star players are the ones that master those fundamentals so that they don't even have to think about it in a game. And whether it's dance or poetry or many different things, there's still some fundamental things that the stars that really stick out they find a way to work on those fundamentals constantly and 
the stillness or as I've described it in the past, to learn to take a breath before any action, before any movement, before any response. See, that breath is that moment of stillness, and it can change drastically the results because many times people in that breath can go to option number two. Many times option number one is an emotional reaction response. And so if we can learn to take that breath, get into that stillness, then we can choose a different response rather than a reaction. And normally there's a a different result. We can practice that breath before any action or before any response. And stillness can be practiced very similar. If you happen to be a passenger in a car, many times we're on our phone. And to realize that anytime that you're on your phone, you can be practicing stillness. And by stillness, I just mean no input, no output, that you take every moment that you can throughout your day to choose these moments that you could be distracted. And most of the time, that's what people are doing in opportunities to practice stillness. They're just caught up in distractions and they get uh, in patterns and our younger generations are just getting more and more stuck into those patterns. So I think that's very important to see that this is actual practice that you do that we're calling the fundamentals so that when a real life situation comes up, you're prepared in how to be still or how to step out of preference or how to take one to maybe three or four or five breaths before responding. And I think this is just a very, very important um, episode, and I'm looking forward to dissecting it more and more. We've been discussing this for now going on our fifth year, and I've known you for six years, so I've been around the philosophy a lot. But even in my journey, it wasn't until one of the last episodes where I really understood or heard when you said stillness, and that caught my attention. I was like, oh, I could understand it at like maybe a little more deeper level. So we're bringing that into one episode here. And something you were talking about in a situation where you feel yourself having an emotional reaction. And I'll even bring in how one of my experiences is I'm able to catch that I'm having an emotional reaction. And then I go into which pillar, where am I having resistance? And of course, usually it's pillar one where I'm not adhering to a a divine order in this world. And I'm resisting life basically. And I'm stuck in my wants. You're called in a preference. And so that's usually enough. And then I just go back to a distraction. I don't take that time to sit with it and and allow it to mellow in my being. I never allow my emotional system to relax and, and come back down from it. I'll just go in a different direction. Right. Which allows the energetic field to relax, which allows the physical body to relax. So yeah, it's, it's part of the whole process. And Many people in self-development can get caught up in just, oh, as soon as I shift my perception, that's all that I need to do. And there are those other four levels that still need to go through that process. And so the more time that you can give that, the less likely you are to create another situation to be challenged with that again. Understanding concepts through all five levels of the philosophy, I think is just so important. So I'm glad you brought that up because even in my own journey, at the beginning, like I was so infatuated with these new perspectives coming into my life that I thought that I would be instantly able to just do these things because I understood them on a mental level. But you have to bring in that structure and discipline and start doing them and turn that knowledge into wisdom so you can start emptying out all of your past behavioral patterns or past perceptions that are no longer serving you and replace it with stuff that you've proven works. Yes, yes. Well said. And, you know, all five of those levels, again, for those that aren't familiar, is the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual. So this whole philosophy is based around processing issues through our life through all five of those levels. And yes, our culture is very guilty of doing what you just described, is taking information and then not allowing it to go past the mental level, because at the mental, you can discuss it. You can sound like you understand it. But again, you don't carry the wisdom. You're just carrying the intellect of the concept. 
The wisdom comes from the practice and going through all other four of those levels, even through the physical, to change the way that you are approaching something. And that's why the simple practice of taking a breath before any action is part of training that you don't go into anything in haste, that everything can be seen more clearly the more relaxed that all five of these levels are. And so this can be a healing method to help people with actual physical issues. It can be a self-development method, and it can be a conscious communication and relationships method. So this is why it's one of the fundamentals that learning to pause, learning to be in that stillness, and as you were saying a little bit earlier, the longer you can be in that stillness with it, the more it just anchors it in. And many times you can have like a true emotional release, which shows that you have released something from that emotional level through crying. If you sit with it long enough and many times when we have that level of epiphany, it will bring up tears. It's such a shift and a change. And I know I've had so many of those that I've experienced myself and I've experienced some that you've had as well and I know that you've had others. But see, we need to be given enough time and enough space, enough stillness to have that emotional release. And then that just cleanses the energetic level so much more. And I think this may also be a cause of some people out there who may have listened to the podcast or any other self-development work or practice where they get it on the mental and they try it out by trying to shift their perception in the moment. But when it doesn't work and the behavioral pattern that they've had the last 10, 15, 20 years of their life, when that comes in and just railroads that new perspective, they're just like, it doesn't work and go back to whatever's easier. Yeah, because a lot of people will try approaching it from a duality standpoint of, okay, if I'm angry, then I'm going to try to access love. And I'm not saying that's not going to have some benefits here and there, but it creates a lot of frustration. I think I even mentioned this in the last podcast, but being able to get to that neutral, get to that stillness is such a critical part that most people just don't see the value in because we're such a fix-it oriented culture. And this is taking the step of observing it, to get neutral with it, to learn to respect it. And I've talked many times about the three R's, recognize respect and redirect. That respect step is about having friction against something and then being able to get to neutral to stop judging it, to accept it just how it is, and then be able to shift it. You're going to be much more rewarded with that important step of the stillness. So when we're talking about stillness, there are a few types that come to mind and maybe we can go over what each one is and which ones are maybe more beneficial in this part of the practice. So meditation is one, contemplation and prayer. And I think there may be one or two others if you have any more you want to add to that. Uh, I think focusing on those three, I think they're the main three and I'm sure there are others. So we're certainly not looking to offend, but... Trying to clear up just how the just philosophy looks at these three terms. We're not saying that these are the definitions that everybody should use, but to understand that when we use these terms, what they mean within this philosophy. And uh, those are the three main ones. So meditation is a term that I don't use a lot because many people have a resistance to it, like many people have a resistance to the word prayer. Contemplation, not as much, but It's a very important practice, and the definition that we want to share of meditation is stilling the mind. It's a process that took me approximately 10 years before I really understood what meditation was, and that was practicing it for 10 years and thinking that I knew what it was and then having an experience that took me to another level. And I call it going into the void, and now I choose to do that At any time, like I said earlier, when I could be distracted, I love the feeling of that void so much that I normally choose that over doing something or being distracted. So I get it in five minutes here, three minutes here, two minutes here, uh, just anywhere that has an opportunity. So contemplation is utilizing some type of tool to help you focus. 
For some people, that's a spot out in the middle of the room. For some people, it might be music. It's called guided meditation, and I'm just suggesting most places that you want to use the term guided meditation to just consider guided contemplation because it's putting thoughts and visuals in your mind. And the idea is to use your imagination to get away from that linear mind. And so, again, this isn't a judgment of these. It's just a a definition of how we use them. And then prayer sometimes can be uh, the same as giving gratitude. In some prayer, people ask for favors from whatever they choose to call their divinity. And then some people choose to call prayer giving thanks. And so both of those actions are very useful. And when we're talking about meditation or that stillness or that breath, it's all part of the void. And again, the easy term is no input, no output. You're just taking time to not try to think about anything or put anything in your mind, and you're not trying to give anybody direction or suggestions or anything like that. And normally when people start to try to meditate, I like to suggest them to practice contemplation, slowing the mind down and learning to focus on just one thing. And that can be done through guided contemplations, or it can be focusing on one certain thing. I see it as the contemplation kind of teaches you towards meditation. And I hope that that will help some people to realize that just because they can't steal their mind, they shouldn't judge themselves and feel like it's not being useful because learning to slow the mind down is necessary before learning to be able to make it still. So I hope that these definitions are useful to people in in their struggle with being still. So our English language usually gives hints about certain things, and people call meditation the practice of meditation, as you just did. And so that's a clue that it's actually a practice and not something that you can just do automatically. I think people think that everybody can just sit still and automatically silence the mind and there's no thoughts coming in, but it, it is more of a practice because it's not like our native state. There's always thoughts coming in. And so maybe there's part of that that you can share on on how you worked those 10 years to get to uh, the point that you're at now. Yeah. And it was a, a dedication, but my mind was out of control. Now where I have those voids, those used to be filled with just thousands of thoughts Like I could be talking to someone and not be present because I'm thinking about so many different things while they're talking. And so I stayed frustrated for quite a while using structure and discipline of just choosing a time each day to sit still and do my best at slowing my mind down. So I use some of the practices that other people do with what I call contemplation now of focusing on a spot in the room or using music that helps to to guide that journey and got different levels of results. But it did come from the consistency of effort that I was getting better, but I wasn't really realizing it to where one day there was a huge shift and I realized I wasn't thinking or I didn't have any thoughts and I didn't know how long that that had been going on. So I just kind of... I called it, got lost. And the feeling that that brought to me was so invigorating that it stayed a staple of my practice for many, many, many years in a disciplined style like that. Now I approach it a little bit differently, but I can't stress the importance of that disciplined style and make it up yourself. Don't look at it as a negative discipline, but something that you know is good for you, just like walking or doing push-ups or sit-ups, for most people, that exercise is going to be beneficial. And almost anyone learning to still their mind is going to be beneficial. So looking at it and getting away from that typical disciplined mindset as something negative, but that it's taking you somewhere that's going to be very useful. But the main thing is the consistency. So I normally suggest to people To start off with just three minutes, just five minutes, whatever it is, 
but you do it every day. So start off with whatever time frame you can do for most days at least, and hopefully at the same or similar time of the day. Those are two things that really help with the beginning of discipline toward meditation. And when somebody starts doing it, they're sitting there trying to still their mind and these thoughts come creeping in. How should they handle that? Well, a phrase that was given to me from Osho, I believe that it was, in one of the books I was reading on his teachings, it had a phrase that was just as simple as, thank you, but now is not the time. And for whatever reason, that clicked with me so well, because at the time I was associating emotions with children and seeing how we can learn a lot of the same lessons as a parent and our kids can help us to learn to work on managing our emotions. They are interactive. And so when I realized that and started practicing that, it was similar to if you're in a conversation with someone and there's a five-year-old named Johnny around and Johnny wants to talk to you, but he doesn't understand manners. So Johnny just comes up and starts tugging on your pants. Hey, hey, hey. Like how I would approach little Johnny would be, please excuse me to who I'm talking to. Then I would look at Johnny and I'd say, Johnny, I'm so interested in what you have to say, but I'm in the middle of a conversation here. Can I talk to you in 10 minutes and give you my full attention in 10 minutes? And normally most kids, that will be good enough for them. Most adults don't take the time to truly communicate to the kid. They see the kid as a nuisance. Like people see their thoughts as nuisance. So this is part of the respect, again, in the three R's, the recognizing, whether it's the child or this emotion, we want to show it respect by not acting out in resistance emotionally. And then we want to redirect the child or the thought or the situation. So that phrase helped me so much to help to redirect that because it got rid of the resistance. Thank you is receptive. So that thank you, but now is not the time is very similar to that step that I went through with little Johnny. And so that helped me tremendously to just not resist it and not think that just in a few days or weeks or months, I'm going to be completely clear minded that this is going to be a process. So see, it became more like practice. I just looked at it every day as I'm going to practice and I'm going to get a little bit better today. And I'm going to see how long I can go before that next thought comes in. I grew up with a very competitive edge because I had a chip on my shoulder. And I learned to turn that competitive spirit internally rather than external. And that's part of that competitive energy is turning it internal to say that, no, I know the more that I practice this, I trust that I will get better at it. Whether it is on the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, or the spiritual, that's a similarity that they all carry. The more you practice it, the more it becomes a part of you. Part of breaking bad habits is by creating so-called beneficial habits, not just trying to stop the bad habit. You need to replace the energy and the frequency of practicing that so-called habit. So I hope that that brings uh, clarity to that small phrase that can be very useful. Again, thank you, but now is not the time. Yeah, and these clarifications of these three ways of practicing stillness are, I think, really important because I was also of the understanding that meditation, like when you're talking about guided meditation and all these other types of meditations, they're all the same. And I came to you because I had a conversation with somebody in one of our YouTube premieres and I was giving a recommendation of getting an intention and then meditating on that intention. Mm -hmm. And I did mean like meditation without any sort of input output, but asking, you know, if there's anything on this subject, please come in during that time or something like that. Mm -hmm. But now I I would kind of put that more in the bag of contemplation. And I think most ways people are meditating is contemplation. And I think the distinction is extremely important because I think meditation is what everybody's trying to reach. But if you distort it with other types, you're not getting that purity because both are helpful. Like you mentioned, both have their place. Contemplation is is beautiful, especially in the guided meditation. I've been to one where you're out there, uh, like it was a sound journey, but you're trying to find like your spirit animal mm-hmm. and like keeping that mind active in a creative way is extremely beneficial. And it, I see it as a step to learning 
eventually meditation. It right. is a step to like kind of decommissioning or taking a little bit of time off from that busy mind, the analytical mind. Because that is the intention here is we're just trying to shed some light on the subject that can be very confusing for people. I'm not interested in battling with anybody on the definitions just within this philosophy and the communication within that. And hopefully, like you said, it was helpful to you. And we thought that it may be helpful to others to just separate those two and say that, yes, maybe the contemplation will lead you to the meditation through the practice and effort. And of course, I'm all for prayer as much as anybody feels drawn to especially the gratitude side of giving thanks for prayer rather than asking. But sometimes people do feel led to ask for direction, ask for things, and they shouldn't feel judged for that if they're called and drawn to do that. So I assume that there's many different ways to practice these three types, or if you want to focus on just one, maybe meditation. I think the visual that everybody gets when you talk about meditation is sitting cross-legged in stillness, maybe on a nice cushion with your hands out, maybe touching your index finger or, or your middle finger with your thumbs. And so I assume that that's stereotypical for a reason. It probably has its place, but are there different ways to essentially practice sure. these? Sure. One of the main points is that you need to be comfortable. So again, some people will put too much emphasis on the positioning of the body and be very uncomfortable and then not understand why they can't steal their mind. So most of the people that do that pose that you're talking about, I do something similar, but it's because it's the most comfortable way for me to sit. And so, again, make that suggestion to those that are just starting out to make sure you're comfortable. However that is with the body, start there. Start there with finding some comfort. And I'm going to bring back in the practice of if you set a discipline to say five minutes every morning at 6.45 before your kids get up or anybody gets up, and then you also practice taking a breath before every interaction with someone else. See, you're constantly throughout your day practicing stillness. You've got the discipline of the morning, and then you just learn to take advantage of times that you would not normally waste energy or be distracted on your phone, scrolling through social media or something like that. And you choose to take two minutes of stillness. Maybe you have a, an alarm set on your phone to where you can just hit it really quick and you might have a 10-minute break at work and you go, oh, I'm going to do two minutes of stillness. So you just have that two-minute set, you just hit it, and then you just close your eyes wherever you're at. And so the environment to reach meditation is another thing that's important. Most people try to have complete silence. They try to perfect their area to meditate or to go through contemplation. There's no judgment there. But again, the goal is to be able to be around a hundred or more people and to be able to access that stillness. So some of the teachers that I actually studied with where meditation was concerned was they suggested, and that was the path that I took, is to learn to steal your mind in the marketplace or around a thousand people, and then you can always steal it in silence. But that could be too much for some people to take on. So we want to bring that back to however you can be comfortable. That's the key to either having a successful contemplation session or a meditation session. And that practicing the stillness throughout the day Anytime you can, it can change your whole vibration, your whole mood. Now, what happens if you fall asleep? I mean, I've done it a few times during the sound journeys where mm -hmm. I'll just conk out because sure. it's so comfortable. And that's why sometimes if a person's falling asleep, the time may be set a little bit too much or the person's not getting enough rest. Now, again, there's a difference between sleeping and resting, and that's something to look into that if somebody dreams a lot, then normally they're not getting enough rest in that sleep period. So look at both of those sides as to potentially shortening your time of setting your discipline structure for meditation or looking at why you're not getting enough rest, I think can be helpful. So now that we've defined the major types of stillness, let's bring it back in within the whole philosophy and maybe give an example of when you're in a conversation and you have an emotional reaction, 
what does the optimal way look like? Or, or maybe not the optimal, maybe a few different ways, because you may not always be able to immediately remove yourself from the situation and go into stillness. You may be at work or something like that. Well, one thing that I like to suggest right away as a buffer, this is just kind of like a, a staple is to have prepared that any time that you feel, say, kicked in the gut, that's where I feel my emotion is right in my solar plexus. And any time that is felt, I wanted to train my mind to go into a buffer to give me some time to be able to say, you know what, that point that you just brought up is very interesting and I want to give it some time to sink in. So please give me a minute. I need to go to the restroom or I need to go get some water or something like that. You can create in almost any situation to validate that you're still connected to what happened, but that you need some space to gather your thoughts. And this is why that practice of learning to take a breath is so important because you need to have time to take that breath to see that you're about to emotionally react and then you need something mental to communicate so that there's not extra friction put on the situation. So that whole thing of that's an interesting point I want to consider because I want you to feel respected. So please give me a moment if you can. That phrase is extremely valuable. And then, like I said, remove yourself from the energy of the situation. And sometimes it only takes a few seconds. Sometimes it may take a few minutes. But the thing is, is that you want to make sure that you don't just emotionally react back at the person. And normally that is some type of defense mechanism that happens so fast that most people don't even realize it. So again, that's why the first step of recognizing it is very, very important. But then you got to learn to respect it. you got to learn to communicate outside of the emotions or they're going to be misconstrued. So this is the point of having that buffer of acknowledging, showing respect, that I'm going to look at what you just said and then walk off and then be able to only engage back in that conversation if you are emotionally neutral. If not, then it may be better to come back and say, you know what, we need to pick this subject up at another time when maybe both of us are a little bit more clear. So I hope that that brought some clarity to that example. Let's bring in an example here, maybe a couple, they're in an argument because they don't agree on something and maybe they don't catch it when the emotional reactions start to happen and they're arguing, but then suddenly one person catches it mid argument and they're like, wait a minute, I realize that we're both in our emotions here. I don't want to continue or say things that I'm going to regret and I don't want the same back to me. So they diffuse the situation and say, let's take time away, and, and they agree to do that. Now, what is the process here? Because we've talked about this before in past conscious relationship episodes. When you go your separate ways, how do you approach that stillness? I think the next important step is that you set a day and time to at least intend to revisit this conversation. And for some people, that might be later that day. For some people, it might be the next day. For some people, it might need to be a week or longer because the whole point is that the space is being taken for both parties to be able to work through whatever emotional reaction they were having and that the true ideal is for those two people to only come together once both parties are able to be neutral again because again conscious communication and emotions don't happen simultaneously you're in one or the other and so the point of the space is not to disrespect someone that's why it's important to set a day and a time of an intention to come back together. Now, when the two people go away, there can be many different things that they do, but the intention should be around processing the emotional reaction that they just had. And in that processing, what is useful is to consider a similar situation when they felt like that in the past, when they experienced that emotion. Because normally an emotional situation in the present is just reminding you of many similar emotional situations throughout your life. And when you can get to the root cause of what started that emotional reaction, it can expedite the cleansing or the emotional processing of all of that. And then that person or anyone else won't be able to knock you off your center 
as easily. You won't be as sensitive to that certain emotion. Say that it was anger, for example. But many times people only try to deal with the situations at hand. And so those are never going to run out when you've got a backlog of that emotion that you've been carrying around your whole life. So this is how we work within the Just Philosophy to work on the present, the future, and the past all simultaneously. And if both parties can make that connection of what role they were playing for each other, oh, you brought up some brother stuff, oh, you brought up some of my mother's stuff, then they go through some forgiveness exercises with them, then see that next conversation is going to be very, very good typically between those two people because they have taken the personal out of it, realize that you're just playing roles for each other for past traumas and helped each other to get there and we did some healing. Now, that's all optimal, but any one individual can do that in their relationship. You don't have to have your partner to do those steps that I just said. Now, if you're going to carry on a conscious relationship at some point both parties are going to need to do that but this is how anyone can make use of the relationship that you're in right now or many relationships that you're in because outside the intimate relationship the other goal mind is your family and most people run away from their family and i say oh man you're missing a lot of great practice time because no one can press your buttons like your family can so again that's part of what helps this is redirecting that competitive edge that you may have had at some point in time externally and seeing that as fun to work on these emotional reactions and see that you are taking people's power away from them over you. This is a step into standing in your power, but it takes practice after practice. And this is why many times I'll just say, go practice it a hundred times and you'll be better. And the fact is, is that most humans are repetitive creatures. So we get better at most anything we do repetitive. And the more that we can get out of our mind when we think we're going to fix something, normally the faster that we get there. So in this example, it seems like when there's a disagreement, take a breath, realize that you're in your emotions, go your separate ways, make a time to come back and talk about it. And then when you're in separation, you could run through the pillars, see where you're resisting, and then trace back where that emotion is coming from, from your past. And then it seems like all this is contemplation. So we're in stillness, but we're in contemplation. Yes. So is there in an ideal situation where meditation would come in and all this? Okay, yeah. So that next step would be that, say, the two people went their separate ways, but they're seeing it as a good thing. And one of the uh, people involved goes into that stillness, literally sits down by themselves in a non-distracting environment and makes a connection that their partner just activated some father issues that they had. And in this stillness, now that I've contemplated and I've found that source of where it originated, I'm going to give some forgiveness to the originator in this situation, the father, I'm going to go through my pillars that you just mentioned, the five pillars of everything's in divine order, polarity over duality. Everyone and everything can be your teacher, emotional responsibility and accountability, and everything's vibration. Going through, and I'm not going to take the time to define all those right now, but there will normally be one that really resonates. The majority of the time it's the first one that everything's in divine order, whether I understand it or not. And I've gone through a lot of tragedy in my life, and this is one of the main ones that has pulled me through so much is this is where faith and trust resides in that spiritual level. And this is all part of the contemplation of trying to find the association of why I have this as a trigger and then where did it originate? Those are the two things that you're looking for in this type of healing contemplation. And then when you get to answer those two, and you do remember that everything's in divine order, or that everything has a polarity, but it doesn't have to be a duality. See, this is all taking us toward acceptance and getting back to neutral. And then once we're able to get to that neutral, then in that meditation, we can just radiate love, the vibration of love and compassion, and send that out to 
your partner, to the father that created this, to anybody and everybody that's around you. So that can be the part that you just want to sit in. I call it the wellness vibe and that you had to shift your emotional reaction into this type of response through activity. See, I've been told that my way is passive in the past, and this is a very active process. And then when those two people, if both parties do a similar type of processing like that, when they come back together, they're going to be in love. They're going to be sharing, no, this is what you taught me. This is what you helped me to learn. Rather than blame, rather than projection, they're going to be pulling each other toward each other. And that's a properly functioning, optimal relationship. Again, it doesn't have to be intimate. It could be a father, daughter, a sister, siblings. It can be many different types of relationships. But when both parties are looking to learn their lesson out of the so-called negative interaction, you've got hope for a very conscious uh, combination there. And that's what we seek for and work towards through all of this work. Yeah, I could even see us throwing in uh, prayer in between the step of contemplation and right before the meditation to help find that gratitude. And so not praying for something specific, but that prayer with gratitude and yes. sending gratitude out to the person you had the argument with and then whoever you traced the the past trauma with and then... I think that it's almost like priming you for that meditative state. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And again, the more you practice it in everyday events, the key is looking at all the little bitty emotional reactions that you have, not just the big ones. But if you work on the little ones, every moment that you get a chance and you just go, whoa, that just made me a little jealous when they just said that, you know, do some work there on that. Excuse yourself and then just go be still somewhere and say, what is that about? Because... As we've talked about jealousy in the past, it's just an opportunity to be inspired or to give credit. And that's all you got to do to counter that jealousy is either be inspired, recognize that they're doing more than obviously you are if they are better. So go do more to practice more or realize that you don't want to practice more and just go, you know what, I'm going to go give them some props because I know how hard it is to be that good. And so all these emotions, we're accepting them again. We're making love to them. Then we're redirecting them. And so this is a very different concept from trying to fix something or stop something. It's all in the flow of the energy. Yeah, I think throughout my day, I have uh, a bunch of little ones that I don't attend to. And it's always the big ones that get all the majority of the attention. Mm -hmm. So I think those little ones can start to add up and take you further away from that neutral point over time. It can really create a state of frustration really easily or whatever emotion is dominant in your life. Yeah, I mean, even taking one such as judgment, a great practice is to realize that judgment is very similar to preference. If you have a preference that you like something, then that preference is also choosing to dislike something else or other things. And so when someone wants to work on their judgment, they can find things in their life or throughout their day that they normally don't resonate with and find a way to resonate with it. There's many aspects of everybody or every situation or everything. And we can tend in our culture to focus on very limited aspects of something or someone and only focus on what we don't resonate with rather than going, okay, I don't resonate with the color of that T-shirt, but this is a a great guy and there's a great person and I'm not going to allow my preference of this T-shirt to get by me here. And I may even compliment and say, hey, you know what? That is an effective color. And they might say, what do you mean by that? And I said, it just helped me to work on some resistance. I had some initial resistance to it, and now I don't. I think it's very cool you're wearing that today. And so, see, that's how you can step out of a preference and make it actually useful because you work to get back to neutral. And we hone our preferences in this culture And the suggestion of this work is like, hey, let's dull those preferences a little bit and be able to shift that perspective because, as I've said before, our perspective may be our only true free will. And we can change our whole experience 
by changing our perspective of something. And in that stillness is where we have the opportunity to change that perspective. And that's why I am so glad that we finally did a podcast highlighting this subject. And I hope that we've really gotten across the importance of how I perceive this fundamental that gets overlooked very many times. As I said earlier, it's very similar to the fundamental of observing yourself doing something rather than just fixing it. That the more that you can observe and go, oh, there I am doing this pattern again. Don't stop doing it. Do it and go, well, that's very interesting. And I don't think I get as much out of this as I've been thinking that I do. See, that's aiding you to stop it because you're observing it and you're losing attraction to it. And too many people, once again, try to fix things. This isn't the place to fix things. Gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. Guys, I don't think Alexander likes my T-shirt. He was staring right at me (laughs) as he was saying that. Um, No, I mean, that was a great point because that observing is helping you get to neutral and not judge it. Yes, and as we were talking in the three R's, the respect stage is to step out of judgment and to accept the situation. Again, acceptance does not mean condoning or approving of. It simply means I am stopping my resistance to this. And so that's a vibrational term that we shift the perspective so that we stop the friction with the person, place, or thing. Because anything that's receiving friction typically grows. So any situation we don't want to grow, we want to take the friction away as quick as possible. And so that is the martial arts of this just philosophy. And also, if you want to get started practicing meditation and like Alexander suggested, starting with like two or three minutes, we do have our three minutes of stillness at the end of every episode. I think we started around episode, it was mid-30s, so we have about 60-something, three minutes of stillnesses out there, and I've started putting them on our YouTube, and we'll continue doing that over time. So you can look us up there and find a three minutes of stillness or go to any recent episode and be creative with it. Pick a new one each day and just find out where it comes on, and that can be your three minutes. Yeah, yeah, and that can be part of that discipline and structure, and you just know as long as the music's going, that's your time. And uh, that was part of the intention in putting those on almost 70 episodes. Yeah, great tool. And I guess we got one coming right up right now. (laughs) So enjoy this one. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us and enjoy that three minutes of stillness. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y dot com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com. V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L dot com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.